Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning. What a beautiful service. Thank you, Mark. Great songs. And uh, thank you, everyone, for your lovely and great voices. And uh, what a beautiful time to get together. Our text comes out of Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start reading in verse 9. Romans chapter 8, so let's just just dive right into the study uh, so we can just spend a little bit more time on some things that I think uh, I've developed that's really affected me in this study, and I pray that they will cause you much deliberation and consideration on your part as a child of God. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Has that ever caught your attention, by the way, when you're reading through this? If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, way back in Genesis, someone else said that you would not die, and it was Satan. Or you will not die. And he told a lie. And um, Eve and Adam suffered. And now we're suffering. But notice he says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will die. You will live. Which one would you choose? Life or death? You know what, I hate to put it in so simple terms, but isn't that what he's saying? You've got choices to make. And it's all about living in the will of God for Jesus to do right, to do good. And it's all about, and it describes your life. Does this describe your life? Are you living for Jesus? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Wow, there's a lot of things to unpack here, but I really want to concentrate for this morning in verse 16. In verse 16 he says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You ever wanted to know, am I a child of God? Well, we're going to talk about that. Because there's someone working alongside of you. You may may not have even thought this way. And it's called the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit bears witness, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Witness. What is a witness? What is he talking about here? Let's just kind of understand terms. What is he talking about here? Well, 
term here means to testify jointly. Okay, it means a corroboration of evidence. At work we say evidential matter. So this evidence that's piling up in your life that's a testimony are your actions, the fruits of your life becomes a testimony or evidence that you are a child of God. And God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the words of God, all of those are bearing witness to the fact every day that you live that you are a child of God. Maybe you thought you were just rolling on your own, going your own way, but there's someone who's watching your every move and it's compiling evidence. So let's talk about some of those evidences. The fruit of your life as a child of God. Now Paul in Romans chapter 8 lists several of these evidences. I just want to talk about three of them. And the first is found in verse 15. Notice back in verse 15 he says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the spirit of adoption, underline that, and then underline the word cry and Abba, Father. These are special and unique terms only directed towards children of God. Okay? So I want to just talk a little bit about that. Now, the spirit of life in verse 2, notice what he says in verse 2 of Romans 8. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So he talks about the spirit of life and the spirit of adoption. Are those two different spirits? No. These are just two simple ways of describing something. One is describing your position in Christ. And hallelujah, what a fantastic position to know, like in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, when he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. What a, what a knowledge, what assurance to know that we have that kind of position as long as we hold on to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in a saved position. So spirit of life talks about your position, but the spirit of adoption talks about something even more special. It talks about our relationship with God the Father. Isn't that something? We become sons and daughters of God, brought into the family. That is truly special indeed. So it talks about the relationship. So circle the word cry. Abba Father. It's a very special and powerful term that's really is evidence of our heart change. In fact, what happens here is that we're looking to God in this special and unique way as a father. Now, we have fathers, earthly fathers, and we depend on them when we're young, when we're a child, when we're children. We depend on them. We have a sense of dependence and humility about ourselves. We, we turn to them for support, for care, for need, addressing and helping us and guiding us. And when things are bad, we, we cry and, and, and our dads are there to help us and support us and lift us up. But that is even more true with God, our Father. 
right? He is there to support us. He is there to give us life. He is there to help us, to guide us, to wipe away our tears, to support us and lift us up. So we look to God in that trustworthy way. We trust completely in Him and turn to Him as our Father every day that we live. That's that special relationship that we have. And we can cry out, Abba, Father. And you know what? That strikes at the very heart of pride and submission. Do you fight against God the Father? Do you fight against Him? Do you rebel against Him? Do you say, you know what? Maybe you're looking at Romans chapter 8 when he talks about that uh, if you live by the flesh, you will die. And you're thinking in your mind, maybe you're just thinking, that doesn't describe me in one bit. Maybe you think that you really haven't done anything lately that would be deserving of death. Where does humility and submission, what about your pride? I'll live, but on my own terms, right? You know what he says in verse 7? He says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not what? For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So what's the evidence of your life in your relationship with God the Father? Is it one that describes submission is it one that describes that you will give over your heart and your mind and your will over to God every single day of your life? You know, it's a unique Aramaic phrase used by Jesus Himself. If you note back in Mark, I think it is. In Mark chapter 14. In Mark chapter 14 and verse 36, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, this phrase, this relationship, just strikes at the very heart of the problem of pride and submission. Do you really submit to God's will? Or whenever you choose to? When it's convenient for you to? What does the evidence really say about your life? That is what we really need to get to, right? What does the evidence say? Is your relationship with God the Father authentic? You need to figure that out. Is it real? You need to know. Are you, do you push back? When things get a little tough. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Paul outlines that. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I am now given. The place I give. Live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul understood that his life. His old man. His old self. Was crucified. And now he is living for the Lord. He's submitting to Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and King. He tells me how to live, not what I find convenient the way I want to live. 
So what does the evidence say? That's the first thing I think. The Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit. So are we honest about what that says about me? Is Bruce Kessler honest about what that evidence would say? Are you honest with what the evidence would say about your relationship with God the Father? The second one I find, and it's in Romans chapter 8, is in verse 13. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So putting to death the deeds of the body. What is the evidence in your life that you're doing that? What is the evidence in my life that I'm doing that? Or does the same sin keep plaguing me over and 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 over? I know we have our weaknesses and we have things that we probably more have a tendency to be more tempted by. I get that. But do I live a life of unchecked sin? That's a question, right? That's a good question we need to answer. So Paul here is talking about a life transformation, right? I mean, that's what he's addressing is what does that life look like? It's not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? And we offer up our bodies as living sacrifice. As part of that living sacrifice is putting to death the deeds of the body. Unchecked sin can ultimately lead to eternal death. That's what Paul is addressing here. He's speaking to Christians. He's not just speaking to ungodly people. There's a war going on out there, folks, and that war is in your mind, and it's real. Are you comfortable? Paul is trying to wake these Christians up. Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, in verse 5. Put to death, Paul said, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. I'm reading from the ESV translation, so if it reads a little bit different, you'll understand why. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What is earthly? What is he talking about? Aha, sexual immorality. Shazam. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once, read, underline that, once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. (laughs) What are some of those things we're supposed to put away? Anger. Are you given to anger? Quickly, anger that, as James would say, doesn't produce godliness. Wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Uh oh. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, is this evidenced in your life? Isn't that what Paul is saying back in Romans chapter 8? As the Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit, with your spirit, 
or if you write things down as evidences in your life, would this be the top of the list? Jesus talks about a radical change, radical steps that we need to make sometimes. And this is the hard part because I don't want to make them a lot of times. But Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 5. Right? Somebody read this the other day. In verse 28, he says, But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust, intent, lustful intent, has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Why? Why, Jesus? Why do that? For it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. That's that's pretty good reason. Or if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to go in hell. That's what Paul's addressing. He's using the same uh, argument that Jesus is using. We, Jesus and Paul, are both saying we need sometimes a radical change. And that's disturbing a lot of times because we don't want to go radical because that means doing away with things. Uh-oh. Okay, I already said to Shazam one time. I better not do it again. Get in trouble. All right, Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 12. Paul, you know, Paul, he's talking about this life that we've entered into with Jesus Christ through baptism. And then Paul is talking about what that looks like. And then he kind of stops and he says in verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Now he didn't say that there wouldn't be temptations. Don't let sin control you. Don't let it happen. Don't let it reside in your heart. Don't let it do it. Kill sin first or sin will kill you. Can I put it even more plainer? Brother Chris? Thank you, sir. Amen. He said amen. I know he did. There you go. Do not present your members. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. In other words, you've been saved. You've been redeemed. The old man has been crucified. The old man has been another one. Now start living like it. In our conclusion, I'm going to offer some practical ways in which we can do this. And number three, evidential matter, the Holy Spirit along with you and me taking notes. Here's a good one. Verse 17, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if children, if children, I love that, if children, then heirs. Woo! Don't you like that? Heirs. And that word heir means one who receives his allotted possession by right of sonship. We're given a right of sonship, a right relationship, a beautiful, beautiful blessing by Jesus Christ. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. You see, it's talking about this wonderful, and Paul is acknowledging the fact that it's all about 
who we are in Jesus Christ. Right? What does that mean? What does it look like? It means that we are heirs of God. It means we are co-heirs with Jesus. It means we are being given something that we didn't even deserve. Now, as he says in verse 12, his whole thing, brothers, we are debtors to live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Ephesians 1 verse 4 tells us the reason why we were even adopted and become sons in the first place. In verse 4 and 5, in love, he predestined. Now get that. Did you ever read that? In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to His will. How powerful is that? What a good reminder is that? You see, everything about us should be rooted in Jesus Christ, right? John chapter 15, verse 26 you know, remember there Jesus was saying to the disciples, the Holy Spirit is going to help you. It's going to help you recall. And it's going to bring to remembrance everything about you. No. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to help you recall everything about me, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. And so should be the evidence of our life. That's the point. Evidence of our life should be that everything that we're about should be the light of Jesus Christ. The evidence should indicate that my life and my actions proceed from the fact that I've allowed Jesus to be King of my life. Lord of my life. My mindset, my worldview is rooted in Jesus Christ. What does the evidence say about your life? So in conclusion, what does the Spirit witness about you? What does the evidence say? Would you answer that today? You need to. What does your heart tell you? The truth. Reveal. So we talked about three things. One is... Our relation, our relationship with God the Father. Is it one that describes our dependence completely on Him, our humility? Does that describe our life? What about putting the death to deeds of the body? Do I have a life of unchecked sin? I just keep going and blowing through life? Or do I have a hatred for the sin in my life? What about my life in Jesus Christ? Am I, since I'm a co-heir of Jesus, what does that look like in my life? What does my life describe? If that's true and real in my life, what does my mindset and worldview, is it rooted in Jesus Christ? So those are the things that we've talked about today. And I want to, leave you with some practical things that I think will help us with uh, this thing he says to put to death the deeds of the body. One of those things, and I think this is the crucial step, the first thing is this. Purpose to be godly and discipline yourself for that purpose. You've got to make a choice. 
And it's all about that choice. Paul writes to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Does that describe you? Why not? You must decide my aim is to be a woman or child or man of God so that my life will glorify Him. Is that a purpose of my life? The second thing that I think we need to do is kill the sin at its root so that it will not bear its deadly fruit. That rhymes. I didn't even mean for it to rhyme. But it's the truth. Kill the sin at its root so that it will not bear its deadly fruit. Sin begins in the heart. If you cut it off there, it will not go any further. That's really the point. No one commits adultery without first thinking about it and spending time and dwelling on it. So when lust, greed, and selfishness or pride pop into your mind, cut the thought off right there. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, that that's the battle. And on the thought live in your mind. But He is mighty in God and tearing down strongholds if we would just allow it. Don't entertain the evil thought. Do something with it. And thirdly, spend time daily with the Word of God. I know that sounds simple, but that is the truth, right? You remember what David said in Psalms chapter 119? You know what he said there? He said, how can a young man keep his way pure? By not reading the good word for about four weeks. That's not what it says. You know what he says? By guarding it according to your word. Pretty, pretty simple, isn't it? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. You've got to spend some time daily in the word of God. Jesus, somebody was talking about this the other day. And I think it was the other week. It was Brother Craig. Jesus defeated Satan by using the Word of God. So we need to meditate on and memorize the Word because we won't always have a Bible or concordance handy when temptation hits. So those are the three suggestions that I have to you for you to consider this morning as we draw to a close. Maybe... The evidence says that you need to do something today to shore up. Maybe that there's some sin in your life that's tripping you up. Well, you can start doing something specifically about that by coming forward and naming that sin and being specific about it and getting the help that you need. Quit playing around with it. Do something about it. Maybe, maybe there's something that's troubling you. We've got a lot of things that's happening in this world. There's riots going on. There's, things, there's, there's diseases going on. There's a pandemic going on. And, and it, it may, you may be filled with anxiety. You know what you can do? One, the first step is to coming up here and confessing that. That's a beginning step.
And let us help you with that prayer because we love you. And it begins with that. And maybe you don't want to come forward. That's okay too. You can talk to one of the elders or one of the deacons right after service or one of our brothers and sisters in Christ here. We have a family of God who are loving and caring and who will give, do everything they can to help you because we love you. And we, we, want, we want the best. We want the best for you. And I pray maybe you, you have not been baptized. You know, we've got some water right here. And we're ready. I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get too excited. I know I will. But if you need to be baptized, you know, it's not about me. It's about you and your soul's destiny. Won't you come as we stand and sing this song? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.